Hi, creative friends. This is Secret Sauce, a podcast about the secret ingredients in artwork and life. I'm your host, Becca Borelli. I'm also an illustrator in Austin, Texas. And this is episode nine. Um, I don't have a title for this episode. Um, <sighs> the title is an exhale. <laughs> Um, it is early Tuesday morning. It is 4 a.m. I am, I was unsure if I should record um, an episode. I actually had recorded episode nine um, last week, much earlier last week. And it became apparent that the topic was not relevant. Um, I tried to record a couple of meaningful contributions to sort of what the collective is going through at the moment and quickly discovered that I am not able to meaningfully contribute right now in what's going on. And I was also feeling incredibly pushed to tell this story and went back and forth all yesterday about it. Um, I think I can speak for a lot of, frankly, white women like myself, that um, we are trying to listen more than speak. And so I was, you know, pretty on the fence about it. I know that there's going to be a big blackout Tuesday today on the social media Um, also there's some muted for melanated voices on social media. Um, so I'm not going to be posting this to social media. It is just for people that listen regularly, but I really, I I just couldn't shake the feeling that I had to share this particular story. Um, please take what resonates with you. Leave the rest. Also, please understand that, um, there are still things that I'm learning and kind of recognizing about the situation and how I relate to it and how I can serve it. And so if I am tone deaf or insensitive in some way telling this story, that that's why. And please take what I just said earlier, take what resonates with you, leave the rest, understand that um, service is my objective. Um And that if I didn't believe this story was important, I would not be sharing it because, yeah, sharing anything else feels kind of weird right now. Um, I am going to be um, taking a break for the next seven days from social media. I am not formally announcing it. I wanted to share that with you all um, because it feels a little bit like... I mean, there's a lot of pain flying around, especially on social media at the moment. And some really important voices are speaking out um, and in a ton of pain. And so it can create a lot of pressure on people that are the perpetrators of the pain, participants in the systems that cause the pain, myself included, to desperately want to appear supportive. And one of my favorite interviews 
from a few years ago was with Ariana Huffington talking about the ways that civil rights leaders in the 60s adopted some of the traits of the Stoic philosophers when they were organizing. And one of the things that they never did was vent because the energy was better funneled into work. And they were really focused on results and outcomes. And I want to speak that in this episode, that I am focusing my energy to the extent that I'm able on results and outcomes in my own inner life and expending that energy outward onto social media um, so people can see the work feels unhelpful from my perspective. I also recognize that there it's very important to show solidarity for people that are suffering and doing it on social media is in a really powerful way. So I have been sharing things in my stories. I will be continuing to do that. Um, mostly just uh, uplifting um, artists of color that I respect that are doing work in Austin as well as small business owners of color. Um, but this story is mine that I want to share. Um, and it's from when I was a school teacher. And the reason I felt really called to talk about it is because I have the feeling that a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are similar to me in a lot of ways. And I know that I have been feeling a little bit, I don't know, like not even a little bit. I've been feeling a lot in the deep end of the pool. Maybe not even a pool, like the deep end of the ocean. There's no freaking guardrails right now for people in my demographic. What is the right thing to do? And I've had a lot of questions Um, I've been listening a lot and there was a distinct absence of something that I learned in my teaching years that I haven't been hearing anyone on any side of the collective speak about and so it felt really important to share it. All said... Um, I'm still learning and working through kind of this time. And I also recognize that there's a lot of outrage and feeling um, with everybody. And so if I'm insensitive or tone deaf in any way, I do sincerely apologize. Um, And I have taken a lot of time before recording this to kind of center and hopefully prevent any of that. Um. I wanted to talk about being a school teacher because being a school teacher was interestingly the only time before this, this sort of collective awakening that's kind of happening, that I had sort of a personal awakening in regards to systemic breakdown. Um, I, I, I don't, it's kind of crazy to say this. Um, I feel dramatic saying this, but within just a few weeks of starting public school teaching, I was 25, um, I quickly 
realized that public school systems are incredibly toxic. In fact, a lot of man-made systems, if not all man-made systems, are toxic because there's a lot of reckoning that humans still have to do with their inner worlds, and in the meantime, they're creating external worlds that are a reflection of that. (laughs) And it sounds dramatic to call schools toxic, because we have this collective passion and love for public education in this country. In some ways, it's been waning for a long time, but we love teachers. We love schools. We're passionate about education, at least from an ideological standpoint. I don't always think that in practice we are, but, um, and, and to be fair, compulsory education for all children um, is freaking amazing. Even a century ago, that was not a thing. And the systems are incredibly toxic. Children, all children, come into schools. I, I want to say it kind of starts mostly in kindergarten. You know, preschool feels a little bit exempt, at least so far. All children come in wildly expansive wildly free y'all it's so cool to see sparkles in their eyes all of them and from the minute they arrive schools demand that they get small and they get quiet and they get in line and you know there's instantly I'm sure lots of people that say good life is about learning how to conform. (laughs) And so I'm guessing if you feel that way, you're not a listener of this podcast, but, but I think even people that are really open to lots of different ideas, um, sort of under, unless you worked in the school system, it's easy to underestimate how simple structures in public schools really hurt kids. Um, I I was immediately aware of this and had this, um, like, like I was 25, I had all this passion, I was going to do anything I could to make the system better. And I threw myself into my work, like it was pretty crazy. Um, I scrutinized everything. I scrutinized how my students were feeling. I scrutinized what they were talking about. I scrutinized my weaknesses. I scrutinized the ways that I was selfish throughout the day. I scrutinized my shortcomings when it came to planning and to serving. And and I did all of those things under this sort of prevailing notion that's in our culture, that when we recognize that we're participating in a toxic system, there's a lot of shame and we just want, I didn't realize this at the time, but I just wanted to feel better about myself. And it felt really helpful to kind of like be like a boot camp instructor in my head, right? Like you got to fucking, you know, these kids need you. You don't have time to be like resting at home. You don't have time to be like chilling out. <laughs> You got to get ahead of this crap. You got to change this. 
this is what you're here to do. And the first sort of hint that I got that this wasn't a sustainable approach was when I got, when I had my first principal evaluation in December of my first year teaching. And I'll never forget it. I was so nervous. I loved this principal. She was only a few years from retirement. Um, and she was like that like ancient mountain. She just like had so much experience that she just had this like massively tall perspective. She could just like look out over the landscape of everybody and see things we couldn't see, you know. And I was really nervous and she sits down with me in her office and she said two things that I'll never forget. She said, Rebecca, she goes, if you're teaching this way four months in, she goes, I can't wait to see what you're doing in 20 years. And I remember it made my eyeballs hot, y'all. I was like, oh, I just was desperately wanting her to see how much I cared, see how much I was working, see how creative I was being with my lesson planning, all the things. And then she said, "Um, it's really important to me, though, that you pick one thing. And I was caught off guard. And she said, like, whatever it is, it could be anything, anything in your classroom or in the school system that you want to devote yourself to. And you can throw every bit of energy into that thing. And then to the extent that you're able, let the other stuff go. She goes, or you're going to burn out. And that doesn't help any kids. And I don't know if you ever had this experience, y'all, of hearing like awesome wisdom, awesome advice, and simultaneously being completely incapable of taking it. (laughs) That was me. And I knew, it, it struck me. I was like, oh, this feels important. And I just was incapable of listening to her. I was too, I didn't know, I didn't know then, but I I realize now that I had started telling some really faulty stories. And to the best of my knowledge, this is kind of what it looked like over the process of the first four months and subsequently the next five years. I started this process of shifting my stories around teaching and shifting the stories around my inner work. And instead of just scrutinizing the ways that I was weak or the ways that I was selfish with kids or the ways that I had failings when I was trying to help kids, I started to tell stories of, you are selfish, you are weak, you are a failure. And that is a dangerous place to try to help people from. It's, I mean, (laughs) and towards the end of my time teaching, I ran across this passage that kind of knocked me on my butt. And I remember keeping it on my desk for a while. Um, And it was three bullet points. The first one was, you are beautiful. 
The second one was, you are capable. And the third one was, to the extent that you fail, you've forgotten the first two. And that was profoundly important for me because prior to that, I thought that my failure was because I was weak and flawed and and those stories, oh my gosh, y'all, those stories fueled some of the most messed up decisions like First of all, I didn't believe I deserved boundaries for my students' pain. I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but if you've been just scrolling through painful stories from people of color over and over again until you want to cry, it's a lack of boundaries. <laughs> and this type of sort of dynamic, it makes me think of... um when I was an early teacher, I would, sometimes I would have problems in my class and I wouldn't know, like it was like sneaky kids, like pulling some shit. And then it would like kind of have a ripple effect and all of a sudden the whole class would be out of control. And I wouldn't really know where it started. And I knew I needed to discipline or speak up or do something. And so I would kind of yell at the whole class. And, you know, older kids are just kind of immune to this sort of response. Um, Well, immune's not the right word. They just learn to, like, kind of numb out to it, I think. I think they are affected by it. I think adults are affected by it, too, for that matter. Um, But little kids would show this interesting reception where if I would yell at the entire class... It was always the quietest kids who had really, truly not participated in the issue that would cry, right? Like when you send out a blanket, sort of blanket frustration, it hits the sensitive ones hardest and first. And usually the kids that were really at the epicenter of the issue barely felt it at all. It's like kind of ironic. And... I just had, I didn't understand at the time that if you really want to help kids, like my principal was trying to warn me, if you really want to help people that have been wounded by the systems that you participate in, you first have to get grounded and calm and remember your beauty and capability because how in the world are you going to serve people if you don't first have that in yourself to give? And if we've collectively failed black, indigenous people of color, it isn't because we're inherently fucked up, which is a story that I hear a lot of people telling right now. It's because we've deeply forgotten our beauty and capability. And the work, it can feel like, it can feel like the work is to get really like tough and double down on yourself and I know that that sounds so radical and controversial because but I'm talking to people 
I'm talking to the quiet, squishy people in the room right now. Like when we talk about doubling down, we're talking to a population of people that aren't listening anyway. The people that are listening to the pain have to get grounded and calm and remember that the real source of failure is forgetting who you are. And if you've participated in a system that hurts people, your job isn't to scrutinize your weaknesses. I'm not saying ignore them. (laughs) But your job isn't to scrutinize your weaknesses and selfishness and shortcomings. And it's tempting to do when you're sensitive and open to people's pain. There's this quote by Nietzsche. Be careful that when you stare into the abyss, the abyss doesn't stare back into you. And that's, I mean, that was like this weird philosophical sort of explanation for kind of what happened to me as a teacher. I stared at my own shortcomings so long that I began to believe them. And that isn't what helps ever. The work is about remembering our beauty and power and then using that beauty and power to fucking blow it up. (laughs) And one of the biggest reasons that I ended up leaving the school system was because the system was really hard for me to manage. So many people were built to like make change from within. Um, I was, I was not one of them. I have just spent the last decade, like going through massive, massive inner work, like tons of family stuff, tons of relationship stuff with my husband, tons, Like, none of this stuff is stuff I talked about publicly. And the only reason this podcast exists, the only reason that I have the ability to share stories is because I was able to strip away all of the stuff that was keeping me from realizing what my actual power was. And it's been in my journal for ages that I am going to figure out a way to build my own organization. Um, The art business has always been a short-term goal. And it's caused me to connect with community in ways that is allowing me to serve kids in ways that causes much less harm to myself and them and very slowly over the rest of my life I hope to expand my reach with kids that was always the goal when I left and a huge part of that was getting out of the system that was creating so much violence in myself And so the reason I'm recording this episode is because I know there's people listening to it that might believe the lie, which is that 
We don't have time for unicorns and rainbows. We don't have time to sit and find our inner beauty. (laughs) There's people dying in the streets. We got to double down and we got to look at our shit. I, (laughs) I, I would like to invite people to consider that we don't need to double down on our shit. Our shit's coming out (laughs) no matter what. Like there's no way to avoid it, right? So the doubling down isn't necessary. The part that's necessary is tons of compassion for ourselves and one another. Tons, tons. Because if you give yourself lots of healing and space and grounding, that's the place that you can sit in someone's pain. And there's a lot of people that really want those in positions of privilege to sit with their pain. And I'm just feeling very called to sort of repurpose the message of my principle. You have to be very focused about outcomes and results. You have to conserve your energy. You have to pick you have to pick and then just throw everything into that. And for me, I, you know, I kind of mucked through like five years of doing my best. And then I decided, oh, I do, I think I know what I want to pick. And it's me. Because a lot of the problems are from stuff that I haven't dealt with. Collective shit comes from individual shit undealt with. Don't let anybody tell you the lie that we don't have time to go into our feelings. The reason we're here is because we haven't gone into our feelings for generations. (laughs) I understand this is a weird time. But, and it just is like a weird thing to record. And I honestly don't know. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so crazy. I was thinking about this before I started recording today. Every episode I've recorded so far, I mean, this podcast is so young. It's like nine episodes in. Um Every episode, though, so far, after I finish recording it, I have this very distinct thought. It's, like, immediate, too. It just, like, bursts forth, like clockwork, every time I wrap up an episode. And the, the thought is, I don't want to post that. <laughs> and one of the things that I'm learning is that... Um, There's a ton of contraction around me sharing myself. And sharing these stories and and having a lot of fear of being insensitive or causing a problem. And and then all of a sudden I was reminded of something that um, my, my mom told me 
not long after I decided to leave school teaching. She and my dad are really good friends with a couple from their younger years, actually. Um, And interestingly, he was one of the guidance counselors at my high school. And she was, my mom was talking to him about how I was having career things and kind of feeling really torn and that, and then she told him, I think Becca just feels like she's too sensitive to like do the school system thing, you know, and that it's just like that she's not able to like really dig in and be tough enough to get shit done, you know? I was just feeling pretty wrecked. And he said something that that I thought about just this morning. He said, those are exactly the people that need to speak up. And those are exactly the people that schools need. And I remember being like, well, then why? Like, if that's the kind of people schools need, <laughs> why are they structured so messed up? <laughs> And so if you're kind of feeling like, if you're kind of feeling like that, this episode is for you. The story's for you. Um, I wanted to tell a story that would remind people of their power and beauty in a time when I know a lot of sensitive, creative types very well could be beating themselves up. It's very different to acknowledge the ways that we are selfish and short-sighted and weak. And it is totally different to start telling ourselves the story that we are those things. And if nothing else comes out of this story today, I hope that you... I hope that you take that with you. Looking at things are different than being things. Um, obviously, this episode was for... I kind of alluded to it in the beginning, but if it wasn't apparent then, it's definitely apparent now. This episode is for, you know, my white friends and colleagues, but especially my white artist friends, because... Um, artists... I have found that it's pretty unfair to ever generalize any group. There's always lots of exceptions, but it's pretty, I think it's pretty accurate to say that there's somewhat of a generalization about artists in this way. And that is that artists spend huge parts of their work, working time, sitting with the world. Like, even if it's just looking at a bowl of lemons and painting them, you are, you are sitting with the lemons and you are considering the lemons. You are in silence with the lemons. You are communing with the lemons. <laughs> and that practice extends to everything. Like when you, when you learn to be good at a thing, it kind of like extends to the world. Like I think artists tend to be really good at seeing and being with things in silence sitting with things, considering things. And um, that's a superpower. And it's really needed at the moment. 
and I started to consider the ways that my own shame around participating in toxic systems had kept me from doing some of the most important work for many years. And this podcast at its core, my eyes are getting hot just saying this, (laughs) which means I'm definitely going to have to post it now. This podcast at its core is meant to give courage and stories to people that are trying to do really authentic work. The work that like truly zero other people on the planet could do. And and um I hope that I hope this story today helps you in any way with that. Um I love y'all. Um I appreciate you all. I have the only reason I had <laughs> in some ways, the courage to post this today was because last week I got the most beautiful messages from people um, about continuing the podcast and about continuing to um, post. And I mean, (laughs) oh man, that was that was some of the most meaningful stuff I've gotten in a while because this podcast means a lot to me and I take seriously the things that I post here. And so to the extent that I was able, I hope that there was some service in it. And if there was not, please leave it. Please leave it. Um, It's my stuff, not yours. I love y'all. Till next week.